0: Welcome to Broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com. We're going to jump in. This is Outside the Walls Part 2. Outside the Walls Part 2. We're going to go to 1 Samuel today. 1 Samuel chapter 17. We're actually going to read a huge chunk of verses because I want to try to give you the context of this story. This is a very familiar story. Uh, if you grew up in church, you know this story. Uh, I want to pull some things from it that maybe you haven't seen. And for the next couple of weeks, we'll pull things out of this text uh, that, that I believe will help us go outside the walls. First Samuel chapter 17, verse 17, it says, Then Jesse said to his son David, Take now for your brothers an ephah of this dried grain and these ten loaves and run to your brothers at the camp. And carry these ten cheeses to the captain of their, ten, of their thousand and see how your brothers fare and bring back news of them. David's about to be an errand boy. All right. He's like, take some cheese to the captain. I mean, that's, that's what he's about to do. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. So David rose early in the morning. He left the sheep with a keeper and took the things and went as Jesse had commanded him. And the Philistines had drawn up in battle array, army against army. And David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper. He ran to the army, and he came and greeted his brothers. Then as he talked with them, there was the champion, now you might have heard of this guy, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines. And he spoke according to the same words, so David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, they fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. So the men of Israel said, "Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king, will enrich with great riches. Will give him his daughter and give him his daughter. Give give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. Anybody like that?" Then David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, "What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine?" David started early calling some names, you know, he just wanted to make sure Goliath knew he wasn't scared, so he he said that. Then he should defy the armies of the living God. And the people answered him in this manner saying, "So shall it be done for the man who kills him." Now, Eliah, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Elia's anger was aroused against David, his brother. And he said, Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, and I love this, and this is where we'll land today. What have I done now? Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause these are the words that david said when the army of israel was being defied made fun of ridiculed they were they were get been given over to fear and david begins to talk this big talk he begins to make accusation against goliath the giant and their his brothers his own brothers get angry at him saying like what are you talking about why are you talking like this and david's response was is there not a cause is there not a cause. I just want to ask you, do you have a cause? Do, do you have a cause for your life? Because a cause really is what will move you forward in life. A cause is what will move you from inside the walls to outside the walls. A cause is what will get you out of normal. A cause is what will move you out of the status quo. A cause is what will cause you to be uncomfortable to do whatever God wants has called you to do. The problem in our life right now is that everything, and I mean everything, is focused on us. It is focused on making us safe, making us comfortable. The, the, everything in our life is focused on us not having to go outside the walls. I know this to be true because Jamie, uh, she got an Alexa, an Amazon Alexa for, for Christmas. And so we set it up, and, and um, I made the mistake of, of showing the boys how Alexa worked. So Jamie gets up in the morning. She's got worship music playing throughout the house. And Jude walks over and says, Alexa, I don't like that song. I'm like, Jude, it's worship. Like, come on. So anyways, we were sitting on the couch, and a light bulb burned out. And uh, I saw that, so I tried it for myself. I said, Alexa, order some light bulbs. She says, according to your past order history, I have ordered these light bulbs. They will arrive December 27th. Okay? Okay? Sure enough, December 27th, right on our door, right on our porch, came the light bulbs that we ordered through Alexa. I'm like, this is amazing and gonna cost me a lot of money because that's way too easy. But everything in our life is focused on making life easier for us, more comfortable for us, and keeping us inside. The walls. What's true in innovation, what's true in our current culture, I believe is true spiritually. That everything in our spiritual life tends to be focused on our own development, our own safety, our own security, our own comfort, on us. Everything in life is focused on us. We need a cause. That will pull us out of normal. We need a cause that will pull our focus off of ourselves. We need a cause that's bigger than who we are. If we're not careful, even in the church, we can be self absorbed in what we do. Everything is about us, our church, our needs, what we want, how we want church to be, how we want church to go, how we want worship to be, how we want worship, what songs we want to worship to. And we get self-absorbed as if everything in the church was created for us. We need a cause that is bigger than a parking spot. We need a cause that is bigger than a seat. We need a cause that is bigger than a worship song. We need a cause that pulls us out of normal. We need a cause that moves us into unknown territory, territory uncomfortable territory. Martin Luther King, we honor him tomorrow, and you saw the video already, and he said this, life's most persistent, urgent question is what are you doing for others? What are you doing for others? This is what happened with David. If you don't know the story, David, theologians believe, was might be 15 or 16 years old when he was called upon to be a delivery boy to his brothers who were warriors. They were soldiers, that were trained in battle, they were on the front lines of battle. And Jesse, his dad, said, Hey, David, you know, leave the sheep for a little while. I need you to take this cheese to your brothers. I mean, it's like, you know, the most noble of jobs. You know, he's got the cheese cart and he's just, okay, here we go. And, and he takes it to his brothers and, and, and he gets to the battlefield and he, he, he begins to see that everything is in disarray. He understands very quickly that there is fear throughout the Israelite camp. He understands really quickly that the field that he has been in has been his safe place. And the battlefield that he now is in is a dangerous place. He recognizes that what was comfortable to him was what he had grown up in. He recognizes that the normal life that he lived was in the fields. And this is what we're going to talk about today, is that when we talk about David in the fields, and we talk about us in the fields of our lives, that is the normal place. That is the status quo place. That is the us-centered, self-centered place that many of us find ourselves. It is not that that place is unimportant. It is that place is there for a reason. The reason of that season for David was preparation. It was not his destiny. It was to prepare him for his destiny. The Bible teaches us that in the wilderness, David learned how to worship and he learned how to war. Two things that God would use later in the midst of his assignment. But this is the problem with most believers and this is a problem with us is that most of the time we think what God is doing in us is for that season right then. So God's teaching me to worship in war, and that's just for inside the walls. No, whatever God's doing here is supposed to go out from here. This is not the destination of your cause and the assignment that God's placed on your life. This is an equipping place. This is a wilderness place. This is an inside-the-walls place. This is a normal place, but it should equip you for what is outside the walls. David recognized quickly that Something, what needed to be done in order to help the army of Israel. It's interesting to me that the way that David got onto the battlefield was by serving his older brothers. I'm going to tell you this. Anytime you want to find out your cause, you've got to begin to serve. Anytime you need an assignment or a cause that is bigger than you, you have to begin to serve. Service was his invitation outside the walls. Many of us, we think, well, I'll go outside the walls if I can be the general of the army. I'll go outside the walls if I have position. I'll go outside the walls if I can preach. I'll go outside the walls if I can lead. But David went outside the walls so he could serve. People didn't know. What God was doing in the midst of it. But David was obedient to be a delivery boy and to take some cheese to his older brothers. But what God had been doing when he was in the wilderness was preparing him to get outside of what he was once in. The inside place, the the wilderness place was not where he was supposed to stay. It was equipping for what God was about to do. We read the quote from Martin Luther King. What are you doing For others, this is what David did: is he began to serve other people. You know what I've found is that most people don't have a cause that's bigger than them. What do what do we do in life that is for others that we don't get paid for? What do we do for others that we don't get rewards for? That we don't get validation for? That is the place of servanthood and that servanthood is the place that takes you into the place where you should be, the battlefield outside the walls, outside the walls, outside the walls. I I found that a cause is something that will wake you up in the morning a cause is something that at times will keep you up at night a cause is something that gives life energy that gives life life that gives life vibrancy is knowing that you're on this planet for something more than just the 9 to 5 and just live for the weekend routine there could there could be there just possibly could be something more just to try to make it and check off the checklist and be in church on Sunday and Live my day so I can make a living, so I can have some fun, so I can get to an age where I can retire and possibly buy a vacation house. And is that, all? is that it? Is that all? Or is there not a cause? Is there not something else that's bigger? Is there not something that pulls us, that energizes us, that moves us, that draws from us, that provokes us into living that is bigger than us? That's what the church is supposed to be. The church is supposed to be not a collection of people that come and get all their needs met. A church is supposed to be a hospital. A church is supposed to be an equipping place. A church is supposed to be an organization that takes on a cause and champions it. A church is supposed to be the living organism of Jesus Christ with him at the head and us as the body. And the Bible says we make up the body and the mind of Christ. A cause a cause it was god's plan that day that david would venture outside of the field it was his plan that he would venture outside of his normal place it was his god's plan that he would venture outside of the walls a great cause i found really does a lot for you but a great cause should scare you a great cause should scare you because it should be big enough that you can't accomplish it on your own That's why a cause should scare you, not because the cause itself is frightening, but because the size of the cause is bigger than your own ability. And because of the size of the cause, it should scare you to a place that you know that I need God in order to accomplish it. It wasn't that David was some ferocious warrior. He just walks in and is like, yeah, Goliath, I'm 15. You're 10 feet tall. I'm good. It wasn't that David knew that he didn't have the ability to kill Goliath but he knew the God that was with him was stronger than what was with Goliath and that gave him confidence his cause was greater than him I'm sure it scared him because the risk the risk for David was not like you might get embarrassed the risk for David was death This wasn't like a friendly game of laser tag. Uh, This this is like, yeah, okay, you won this one, I won that one. No, this was to the death. So David knew the stakes and knew that this cause that was in him generated a belief and a faith in God that God was going to make up for what he didn't have the ability to make up for. When I was in middle school, I was in seventh grade, and uh, I ran cross country, and the choice and the decision that was made to run cross country was not a good one, because in seventh grade, I noticed that that was a sport where guys and girls both practiced together, and so there's a lot of good-looking girls on the cross country team, so I decided I should run cross country. I didn't know that they would actually make me run, which that was a disadvantage, but it was fun nonetheless. And so one day after practice, I was leaving the school, our junior high, and, and uh, I was leaving the school, and I was walking out, and I saw three kids, which we knew who they were. They were eighth graders, but they'd been there for like three years. You know, they should have been sophomores, just third time around, and full beard, you know, and, uh, but they're still in eighth grade. And they had grabbed a kid that was in our class. He was special needs. And, and they were bullying him, and they were beating him up. And I saw this take place. And if you would have seen me in seventh grade, you would have said one thing to me in this instance. Run. That's, you would have been like, don't do it. Like, you will die. That's what you would have thought. You would have thought like David and Goliath. Like, that's, that's what would have went through your mind. But I saw this, and it was as if something came alive in me. I never felt it before. In seventh grade, I've never felt anything. And I just, I was seething. I was provoked. I couldn't believe what was happening. I couldn't just stand there. So I said, what I probably shouldn't have said, I said, hey. All three of these guys turn and look at me. They stop. Kid gets a little reprieve, and they look at me. And I knew how big I was. So I said, why don't you pick on someone your own size? Because I knew that wasn't me. You know? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, jerk, pick on someone your own size. And they say, oh, like you? I'm like, wait, did, what? did they not mean? Like, what, what's wrong with him? And so that story ended really bad, okay? But, but something, the bruises and, and the embarrassment went away after what happened. But you know what didn't go away? Something that awoke in me when I saw someone being mistreated. Something snapped in me. It never went back to sleep. It never went back to sleep. This cause awoken me for people who could not help themselves. This cause began to provoke me. And I said in my mind, this will never happen again. This will never happen again. On Not on my watch. Anybody that I'm friends with, that I'm connected to, this will never happen again. Something snapped in me. Have you ever had something snap? Well, you know that you're called to something more than what you're already doing. There's a job that makes you money, but there's a calling in which God calls you to something. That cause should scare you. It should be something that is so big and so magnificent that you look at it and you say, there's no way I could accomplish this except for God. God, I need you. That's where your reliance comes in. That's where your dependence comes in. Not just because you're sad and miserable, but because you're called to something that is so big that you need a big God. Cause should shouldn't scare you. Martin Luther King, he said, if a man has not discovered something that he will die for, he isn't fit to live. Have you discovered Is something in your life that you would be willing to lay down your life for? Is there something? Well, I'm not called to the ministry, pastor. You might not be called to stand on this stage and be a pastor, but you're called to ministry. You're called to ministry, sir. You're called to ministry, ma'am, because what God's doing here is not for here. It is to be taken outside of here. So a cause has to scare you, but, but check this out. A cause also has to move you. You know what I found is it's easy to find a cause to get behind and tweet about it, and write about it, and say, I'm behind it. Make fun of other people that stand against it and stand for it. But you know what's difficult? To actually act on it actually put the time in to get a strategy to think about what you could actually do to put boots on the ground and actually begin to see where is the need that you can fill and you say well if i'm not leading it or if i don't start it you know how david started i'll serve it if you can't lead something serve something If if, if you can't take something over, serve something. If God's not called you to, to be the head of something, just serve something. Because in serving something, you will begin to identify what God has called you to. A great cause should move you. David wasn't just inspired by this cause. He was moved by it. We see that this is what happened, is that David begins to talk about, he says, is there not a cause? This gets back to King Saul. King Saul hears, we've got... A little kid down here. He said he'll fight Goliath. Saul's like, really? Like that guy? Okay. And he tries to put his armor on David. You remember this story? He says, oh, you know, like, let's do your best, bro. Like, I'll take my sword. Like, I've killed some giants with a David. And David's dragging the sword. He's in his armor. And David's like, I can't go in this. I can't. I can't go in this. He said, I, 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 this does not feel right. I don't feel comfortable. It wasn't armor that was going to help David overcome Goliath. Goliath was going to fall if David had a slingshot or not. Goliath was going to fall if David threw an air rock. You know what I'm talking about? Not a real rock, like like an air slingshot. He was going to fall regardless because it was the obedience of David. It was not the strength of David. See, this is where we got things all messed up is we think it's actually our strength. That's going to accomplish the cause. It's not your ability. It's not your pedigree. It is not your strength. It's his ability. It's your obedience. It's you saying this is, this cause is great enough that it's actually going to make me move. It's going to get me out of bed. It's going to move me to the battle. It's going to make me make a move. David knew the stakes, but also knew that if he didn't move, then others might never be free. See, this is what a great cause does. A great cause recognizes that other people are depending on you. Your, your life changes when you know that other people are depending on you. I, I remember when we had our firstborn son, Jude. All of a sudden, when I realized, you should have seen me. I'm not a great driver. Okay, I'm just going to put that out there, okay? It's taken me a long time to admit that in my life. But I'm not a great driver. I, like, I look where I drive, and, and I... Sometimes this foot gets heavy because it's tired, and it just, I'm not a great driver, okay? And when, when Jude was born, you should have seen me drive home from the hospital. I'm like 10 and 2. I mean, like, I like, oh, was eyes on the road. I didn't even, I, mean, I threw my cell phone out the window. I'm like, I don't want any temptation at all. I'm like, Jay, I mean, even Jamie, who would love it if I drove slow, is kind of like, You gonna go? I'm like, I'm going. This is careful because now someone's else, someone else's life depends on me. See, you haven't really lived until someone else's life depends on you. That's real purpose that pulls you out of you. It pulls you out of your field. Your field is normal. Your field is status quo. God will train you in the field. God will train you in normal. But it's not for there. God's calling you out of there. That's the theme of this year is outside the walls, outside, outside, outside. A great cause should move you. And, and, and you know what else? A great cause, and this is where people, a lot, we lose a lot of people. A great cause should cost you, should, should cost you. Should cost me now? I don't. I don't know about that. Years ago, I was raising money for a tech startup business, and and uh, we were raising capital, and and uh, so I was going to uh, all kinds of different investors and angel investors and VCs, and, and I was meeting, I was pitching this this company, and and uh, one of these pitches, I was with a huge investor. I mean, this guy, he was he was the ticket for us. I mean, he had it. He was interested. It was the right partnership, the right connection, and I pitched the whole thing to him. He's in it, he's loving it and he asked me a question that I'll never forget to this day he asked me how much have you invested personally oh well, you you believe in it right I said yes, I believe in it, that's why I'm pitching it to you, that's why but how much money have you put in he wasn't looking for an amount he was looking for dedication see many of us will give until it costs us We want want to use your dollars for our cause. But we won't put our own effort in there. We won't put our own. I'm not not trying to stomp on anybody's toes this morning. It's 2018. It's a brand new year. God's going to use your life. It's good. It's good. God's moving. But I'm going to help you. Is that a great cause is going to cost you. It doesn't come easy. And it doesn't come cheap. This were the stakes for David. Life or death. It wasn't like he got to choose, like, you know, I'll just, like, take out his knees. We'll put him in jail. No, it was kill or be killed. That's the cause. Listen, this city... The souls of this city are lying in the balance. Why we do certain things to create enough seats is because people matter. People count. And we're trying to reach this city. And we're trying to reach widely. And we're trying to reach around the globe with the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is life and death. This isn't just fun and games. This is, I'm telling you, the people that complain about church the most are the people that don't have a cause. Because most people, when you get in the battle far enough, you stop complaining. A soldier's complaints in a foxhole and at home are different. Because when you're in the battle, you're not complaining too much about the food, about the conditions, because it's a battle. Listen, if you have a lot of complaints, let me just say it as nice as I can. You're not in the battle deep enough because when you get in the battle deep enough and you have a cause, you don't care what song's being sung. You don't care where your seat is. You don't care where your parking spot is. You come hell or high water. You're going to be in church with the people of God because we're standing together behind a cause. The church is the living organism of Jesus Christ. It is his body with him at the head. And we are his hands and his feet and his body. And we're working behind a cause to make sure that every person in the sound of our voice and the sound of our influence has an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. That's great, Pastor, for them, but like, what about me? That's the problem. That's the problem. Your identity is not found in feeding you. Your identity will be found in serving someone else. A great cause should cost you. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 and 25, it says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. Do you know what I find is a lot of people are just trying to save life, save life, save, save, save. You've got to live 2018 with a little bit of risk. we We want to create a legacy that outlives us. Like for your kids and your grandkids. What mark are you making on the world? Well, Pastor, I don't know how. I don't know what. No, just start serving. Just start serving something, serving somewhere, and let God begin to open the doors and bring the increase. There's this old saying, you can't outgive God. And I'm going to tell you, it is true. You can't outserve Him. You can't outgive Him. You can't outlay your life down for Him. You, I'm telling you, everything that you give to the kingdom, He's going to return to you. It's not the reason you do it. It's just because he's so good and he honors the sacrifice of his people. We give because it's a cause worth giving to. I just want to ask you this question or really make this statement. Matthew Barnett, he's the founder of the Dream Center, he said this. He said, Fear cannot run you if a great cause rules you. I I wonder if we're being ran by so many things because we just don't have a great cause that's ruling us. You know what prejudice it can't run you if a great cause rules you. I'll give you another one. Selfishness can't run you if a great cause rules you. Insecurity can't run you if a great cause rules you. You fill in the blank. Whatever cannot run you if a great cause rules you because cause always trumps crisis. If the cause is great enough, then the crisis doesn't matter. You will step over crisis to get to your cause if the cause is big enough. We need something bigger to live for. We got to live for something more than us. 1955, a seamstress named Rosa Parks sat in the appropriate seat of the bus on her way home from work in Montgomery, Alabama. When the bus became overcrowded and she was asked to give up her seat to some white men who were having to stand, three others gave up their seat, but Rosa would not. The giant of racism raised its ugly head, and that was the last push Martin Luther King Jr. needed to give his whole life to this cause what's what's interesting is that Martin Luther King jr. he was already on the trail he was already accomplishing things he was already bringing trying to bring equality he was already trying to defeat racism but that day something snapped in him I would say something similar similar that happened to me when I was in seventh grade something snapped And all of a sudden, he couldn't keep silent anymore. He said, we've got to deal with this issue. And that was the beginning of Martin Luther King Jr.'s tirade against racism. Something snapped. I'm going to tell you this. A lot of times, your assignment is found in your enemy. I'll explain it to you. If Goliath wouldn't have shown up, David would have never left the walls if Goliath would not have confronted the army of Israel David would have been a shepherd to this day but because of the enemy confrontation it pulled him out of the walls and to the battlefield where he confronted Goliath there are giants that need to fall in our culture but you won't find them in times of peace and times of calm you'll find them on the battlefield and if you would get outside your walls you would recognize that there are some giants that need to fall and they will fall by your obedience and my obedience and church 1132's obedience they will fall Rosa Parks was quoted as saying people always say that I didn't give up my seat because I was tired wrote Parks in her autobiography but that isn't true I was not tired physically no the only tired I was was tired of giving in are you tired of giving in yet are you tired of giving in yet are you this escapism of all conflict escapism of all confrontation just to try to make it try to be okay try to walk the line try to stay gray no at some point the enemies of your life will provoke purpose from your life And you decide, I was meant for more than just making it through college, getting a nice wife, a nice husband, a nice family, 2.3 kids, white picket fence, and a good retirement account. You're worth more than that, and you were designed for more than that. You have an assignment that is on your life. It is the purpose of our church to know God, to be strong in Him, and to do great exploits. Those great exploits are the assignments that God has designed for your life, and I've got news for you. They're not found inside the walls they're found outside are you tired of giving in are you tired of living life inside these walls Martin Luther King also said an individual has not started living until he can rise above the narrow confines of his individualistic concerns to the broader concerns of all humanity he was saying that there's something than focusing on me. There's more. I know the questions. Well, what can we do? How should I do it? I don't know what to do. We got to do what David did and just serve serve it until the enemy shows up serve it until that giant raises its head serve it until something stands up in you that says that's your cause that's your assignment and then once it stands up you stand up to it and you be like David and you say what David said I don't come with you I don't come against you in my own strength in my own power in my own ability I come to you with the strength of the living God and he works in me and through me God has called you to kill some giants and it's not found inside the walls it's found outside and I believe God's doing something in his church in 2018 that says we're not content we're just making it we're just doing what we've always done I am called for more what is your call Thanks for listening. You can find out more about us at church1132.com.